Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast Podcast. Thanks for joining us for our study through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. In it, Paul gets very personal about his own shortcomings, and he comforts the believers in Corinth. But he also teaches us that by embracing our own weakness, we are able to experience God's strength. Grab your Bibles, and let's jump in. But if you have your Bibles, would you open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on your behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. You may be seated. If we're honest with ourselves and with each other, there is so much pain and affliction in all of our lives. We have gone through either some really traumatic, painful um, seasons of our lives, or maybe we're currently going through different challenging seasons, a trial, tribulations, whether that's loneliness we're going through, whether we're going through relationship problems, anxiety, depression, Chronic pain, sickness, loss, like we all go through these things. And, and even outside of our lives, if we look around at the world around us, you know, just thinking about our country this week, you know, I'm sure you heard the news in, in Nashville, Tennessee, just last, was it last Monday, at a Christian school there, not, or six people, half of them were nine-year-olds, the other half were adults, tragically murdered. Um, by a gunman, and just sorrow. And we all respond to, to the, the, that news all in different ways, and, and it impacts us in, in different types and kind of just ways. But what do we do with this affliction? 
Like, that's the question. Like, how do we alleviate the pain that is so real in our lives? You know, a lot of people, they'll go to substances, right? That's why we, 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 we talk against the substance abuse because so often we, we go through, uh, we go to substances to try to numb the pain, right? To try to, try to, try to just ease the pain of our hearts or, or, or others of us, we might try to just power through, right? Try to ignore the pain, but ultimately, here's the reality, we're all looking for comfort, aren't we? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The good news is that there is comfort for our affliction and that we have a God of all comfort. In this passage, in the nine verses we're going to look at this morning, it mentions the word comfort ten times. Ten times it mentions comfort. You know, there's only 31 uses of the word comfort in the entire New Testament. So you think about one-third of the mentions of the word comfort are in this one passage today. So in other words, this is the passage of comfort in the New Testament. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, we have just two points, and then in the middle we'll have a couple subpoints. But this morning, the first point is this: God is our comfort. It's simple, but it's profound. And so with that, let's look at verse three of chapter one. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us." In all our afflictions. Now, the question that I want to start with this morning is Are you, am I, are we willing to acknowledge your affliction, my affliction, our affliction before God and before others? Are we willing to acknowledge our affliction before God and others? You know, oftentimes we try to hide it. We wonder, well, 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 what will people think if they know about my struggle? We think, I don't want to come across as, as needy, or I don't want to burden someone else with my problems. But are we willing to, to acknowledge our afflictions? And I want us to, to take great hope in the life of Paul, because Paul does. Here in verse 4, he starts off this letter by speaking, he says, of our affliction. Remember, this is from Paul and Timothy, and he's saying, we've got hard things going on in our lives. And if you, if you jump to verse 8, you'll start noticing just really quickly some of the details of, of this affliction and how he describes it. Look at verse 8 with me just real quick. He says, for we did not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia. And then he describes it a little bit more. He says that we were burdened excessively. Beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, we don't know exactly which affliction that Paul is referring to here. He went through a lot of affliction in his life. Many commentators believe that he's talking about um, Acts 19. You know, the story of Acts 19 is after he planted the church in Corinth, he went to Ephesus, he preaches the gospel there, and it literally creates a riot in the streets. People are trying to kill the Apostle Paul. People are trying to run him out of town. And so what's interesting is that when you're simply just reading Acts 19, you go through the book of Acts, you read it, and you hear about this riot happening. Paul's just preaching the gospel, and we're thinking to ourselves, you're reading Acts, you're like, man, Paul's a hero, 
Like this is amazing. This is a preacher's dream, right? They're just boldly pre- preaching Jesus, and like, there was a riot. Some people are protesting the preaching of the gospel. Paul's amazing. Like just how strong is he? Like that's what I know I think about when I read the book of Acts. But here, when I read this testimony, and I hear his perspective, and he says, that was really hard on me. That was difficult. He's saying that was deep affliction. He doesn't cover it up. He doesn't spiritualize this. Sometimes we try to spiritualize our pain. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, oh, you know, it was tough, but it was all for the glory of God. You know, he doesn't say that. No, what does he say here? He says, we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. He says, so that we even, we despaired even of life. And he says, brothers, I don't want you to be unaware. I I need you to know what's going on in our lives. I need you to know what we're going through right now. And so let me ask us this morning, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do that? Listen, some of you this morning, some of us, I should say, are desperate for comfort, but we won't acknowledge our affliction. We're desperate for comfort, but we, have, we won't acknowledge. You might think, well, no one cares. You might think that, oh, man, maybe it's just too painful to even face it. Or, again, we spiritualize everything. But listen this morning, church. God invites us, you and I, to bring our pain and our affliction out in the open to him. That's the invitation that we get in first, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Not just, even, not just our major afflictions. I want you to notice that he says here in verse 4, he says, he comforts, God comforts us in, what is that key word? All our afflictions. You think of everyone in this room this morning is going through something right now and God cares about it. He cares about it, no matter how small it is. You're like, oh, man, it's so insignificant. No, God cares about it. Or you might think, oh, man, it's so grand. and like, God is too, too busy with other people's grands. No, God cares about it. You think of like a toddler, you think of, <clears throat> in our nursery, it's like our toddler, he runs out in, in, in the parking lot and scrapes his knee, like God cares about it. I've got like three teenagers in my house right now and like, you know, they go through teen drama. It's like God cares about that. You might, you might have lost a spouse this year. God cares about it. You might be going through a divorce right now. God cares about it. All of our afflictions. You know, far too often people minimize their pain by comparing it to someone else's pain. Have you ever done that? You're just like, oh man, like, like sure, I'm going through something hard, but man, it, did you hear what they're going through? And like, you gotta feel like, oh, I can't feel bad and I can't, and I can't grieve my pain, right? You're just like, oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm going through, you know, this, but I'm not dying. And like, so we kind of compare it. Listen, that doesn't change the fact, church, that you are going through something very, very difficult. You're going through an affliction. It's real and it's difficult. So maybe the call for us this morning is don't compare your pain. Acknowledge your pain. Don't minimize your pain, but rather bring it to the Lord. Why? Because God is our comfort. He's our comfort. And I want you to notice that it's not that just God gives us comfort, like he does, 
But if we just think that God gives us comfort, like he's giving us something apart from himself. No, 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 it's not that. That's not what he's saying. It's, it's, he's, it's, it's different to say God is our comfort. And that's what Paul is saying here. Not that it's just God comforts, but God is our comfort. And you can go and look for many things in, in this life to comfort you. But God says here, like, I am your comfort. Like, come to me, and, and only he can say that because it's rooted in his character. He's a God of all comfort, and we learn this about his character here in this passage. Notice in verse 3, right before he says he's the God of all comfort, Paul says, he's the father of mercies. He come, his comfort comes from his character as the father of mercies. He cares for us as a father, and I love that. Like he's strong and yet he's tender, right? He loves us and yet he protects us. Like we fall down as kids, right? We get hurt all the time. God scoops us up as a loving dad. He gathers us. He cares for us, right? He bandages our wounds. Like God is our father. He's a father of mercies. And listen, this morning, then I just say this. God's response to your pain is not frustration. God's response to your affliction is not scolding you. It's it, God's response to your suffering, whatever it is that you're going through this morning, is mercy. It is compassion. It is love. And so God invites us to bring all of our affliction because he's the God of all comfort. And we see this all throughout the Bible. In fact, if you think of Isaiah, and we're going to have a couple of verses eventually on the screen, but um, Isaiah 1 through 39, and then you have Isaiah 40, which is really a turning point. The first 39 chapters in Isaiah, it talks a lot about God's judgment towards Israel and the surrounding nations, the wickedness, the evil in the world. But then in chapter 40, there's a turning point where God reveals himself as comforter. So in chapter 40, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed. And so the people, they're, they're reeling, they're, they're struggling, and God says, comfort, comfort my people. Speak kindly, or, or maybe your translation might say, speak tenderly to them. And this theme continues to unfold as you, you read through Isaiah. You get to Isaiah 49, verse 13. This comfort that God gives is a reason to rejoice. It says, shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on the afflicted. It's saying, let the earth rejoice. There's reason to rejoice. Why? Because God has comforted his people. He draws near to the afflicted and he comforts the hurting. If you keep reading in Isaiah, the last chapter, in chapter 66, and listen to what the Lord says in verse 12 and 13. He says, for thus says the Lord, behold, I extend peace to her like a river, and glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. And you will be nursed. You will be carried on the hip and fondled on the knees as one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. You catch that? 
He gives this beautiful picture, just this mother comforting this infant and through nursing, through carrying on the hip, sitting on the knee. He says, that's how God comforts his people with this amount of tender care. And God wants to comfort you with that same care, that same affection. And the question, though, for us again this morning is, are we willing to bring our affliction to the Lord? Will we let him comfort us? The call is to bring it to the Lord. Don't don't bury your pain. Don't hide your affliction. God wants to meet you this morning, church. He wants to meet you right here, right now. And he has sent his son. He has poured out his spirit. It's the same word that we find here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Right? That's who he sent. He wants us to experience that comfort in him today. And so as we go on in this passage, we have to ask this question. Well, how does God comfort? God is the God of all comfort. Like that's a great, great thing. How does God comfort? And the first thing that we're going to see is that God comforts us through the church. Look at verses 3 through 4 again. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. As we are comforted by God, Paul says, then we are able then to comfort one another. And notice it's not with our own comfort. It's not, it's not what do I have to give? It's not, it, it's not what do I have to truly, you know, yeah, give away to, to help someone ease their, their suffering. No, no, no. If God is comforting you, if God is comforting me, it's the very comfort that we receive from God that we're able to extend to others. And so how does God comfort us? Well, he usually comforts us through one another, right? But God can comfort us in a variety of ways. We know that he can comfort us through the presence, through his presence dwelling within us through his Holy Spirit, through his word. But again, God comforts us through one another, through the church. And this is so important because when we talk about affliction and comfort, I want you to understand, it's not like some of you this morning are afflicted and others of you are really good at comforting, right? And we just need to pair you guys up and we'll be good to go. No, 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 that's not what Paul is saying. The truth is, what he's saying is that we're all afflicted. Right In all different ways, and as we all experience the comfort from the Lord, then we're able to take that same comfort and give it to one another. And so as we seek to go deeper with the Lord, as we seek to go deeper in relationship with one another, one of the ways that we do that is to learn to comfort one another. We can't have this mentality, and I want to speak against this. We can't have this mentality that says, well, I'm hurting, and I'm in pain, and I'm afflicted, and I just want someone to comfort me. Like, right? Like, like we can't stop there. Because the sad irony is that we could all feel that way. Right? Every single one of us this morning could have that mentality. We walk through the church, be like, man, if they only knew. 
They would be giving me a hug right now. If they only knew, right? They would be crying with me. If they only knew. Like they would come to me and all of these things. No, we could all say that, right? We could all say, man, I'm hurting and I need someone to comfort me. But listen, if we all had that mindset, what if we all had the mindset that says, who can I comfort? Who can I comfort, right? I need to acknowledge my own affliction, right? We have to acknowledge our, our own pain. But then I'm going to say, with that, in that same breath, I also know that I'm surrounded right now. Maybe people in the same row as me. I'm surrounded by people who are hurting just like me. They're hurting, they're struggling. How can I take the comfort? And maybe I'm, I'm just kind of one day at a time receiving like moment by moment comfort from the Lord. But how can I take that same comfort that I'm receiving from the Lord and say, look, okay, who's hurting? Who needs the hug, right? Who needs me to cry with them? Who needs these things? And I'm gonna stop assuming, and this is, this is a challenge for all of us. We're gonna stop assuming that everyone's fine based upon their Instagram account, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna stop assuming like, this is so important. I know I say it tongue-in-cheek. We have to stop assuming that everyone is fine just because we've dressed really well this morning and we're smiling in the lobby. We're going to stop assuming those things and we're going to finally ask the questions to one another. How are you really doing? How are you really doing? You know, over the years when I was an intern here and uh, when I was an assistant pastor here, Pastor Kevin was really instrumental in my life and just a good mentor to me and just a faithful, faithful friend. And I remember many times I would sit in his office or he'd come into my office and he'd say, Ryan, how are you doing? And you know my answer, oh, I'm fine, I'm doing good. And then he would look at me just like dead on and I hate eye contact, it like makes me feel uncomfortable. He looks at me, he says, no, 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 Ryan, how are you really doing? Man, I tell you what, he asked that question and I like want to fall apart because I know, like he, he knew in those very moments, it's like, Ryan, you can't always be fine. Ryan, you can't always be smiling and holding it together. Ryan, how are you really doing? And it's in those, 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 those times and in those seasons and those places that it's like, man, the Lord really just allowed just the ministry of his spirit to minister to my heart through honesty. They're just admitting, oh man, I am falling apart. I love that. I love that relationship that Kevin has in my life. Um, but can I just say this? I know that it's hard to understand God's purposes in our suffering. Like, I, let's just kind of call out the elephant of the room, right? Like, we don't understand God's ways sometimes when we go through things. And we're going to talk a lot about that um, as we go through this book. But a lot of what God is doing is mysterious, like, we don't know. But one of the purposes, can I just say this? One of the purposes in suffering comes out super clear here. And I don't want you to miss this. That whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, you can help others who are going through that right now. It's a clear purpose that we see right here in this passage. And let me just ask you, have you lost a loved one? Because I'll tell you what, there are people right now starting that process in our church of walking through the painful season and road of death, death of a loved one. And God wants to use you in the lives of someone who has gone, getting ready to go through that because you've gone through that. You've experienced that comfort, that affliction in your life, and now you know. No one knows better than you on how to comfort. Let me, let me ask you, maybe a different situation. Have you gone through or, or do you suffer from like chronic pain. 
I know a lot of you do. Do you know that we have other people in our church that experience chronic pain on a daily basis and God desires to use you in their lives to provide comfort and guidance in all of this? I think of, when I think through this, and God comforts us to be a kind of a comfort, I don't know, have you ever um, heard of Johnny Erickson Tata? Yeah? Johnny Erickson Tata is a, very inspiring to me. If you've never heard her story, it's a remarkable story. But Johnny was 17 years old when she was in a swimming or really a diving accident, um, and she became a quadriplegic. She was paralyzed from the shoulders down, and she has now spent a lifetime ministering to and comforting others who have gone through what she has gone through. And I read an article this week that she wrote kind of actually on 2 Corinthians chapter 1. She wrote it in 2020. She talks about how God has comforted her in her pain, a lifetime of pain. And because of that, because of the comfort that she's received from the Lord, she's been able to comfort so many others. So she writes this. She says, when we are the recipients of God's fatherly consolations, we become the means for his love to strengthen others in their suffering. And Johnny is a great example to us in that. And I encourage you to read about her story. But whatever it is that we're going through right now, God, listen church, God wants to meet you in that place. He wants to meet you right here. But also he wants to work through you in that place, to be able to minister to each other. And that's the church. You know, I think about, I was thinking about just all of these different people come to mind because we have a beautiful church. And um, I, if you've never met, there, we have a couple, sweet couple, sweet family in our church, Rafo and Jessica Reese. don't know if you guys have met them, but um, in 2019, they walked through hell. Like, let's just put it that way. It was the week that, they, that Jessica was going to be delivering their, their daughter and... Um, the heart stopped beating, and um, literally the week of birth, like her due date week, she delivers a stillborn baby, and um, the pictures just break my heart. And they walk through just, talk about the valley of the shadow of death, experiencing loss and pain and difficulty, something that they never dreamt about, something that they never saw coming. This wasn't going to be part of their story. But I love how the Lord has used them since 2019. The Lord has comforted them so much. And, and, and through that comfort, they have started that what they called the Haven Rose Foundation. And that was their daughter's name, Haven Rose. And this ministry, we support it as a church every single month. This ministry comes alongside other families who have gone through child loss, whether that's through like um, miscarriage, whether that's through uh, the difficulty of like SIDS, which is just grievous. Yeah, yesterday <coughs> they had a huge event, um, an Easter egg hunt, and I think there was almost a thousand people that came out um, to support this other family. It's called Micah's Egg Hunt, and um, just I love though. And this is this is a, they're a prime example. I texted them Friday. <coughs> excuse me. Just just thinking through 
this passage, and I'm like, man, that they're like a prime example of God meeting them, God comforting them, and them taking that same comfort and giving it to so many other families. And so, actually, at the end of this service, they'll have a table when you when you buy like a donut or something from the Uganda team. <clears throat> uh, they'll have a table. If you want to know more about the Haven Rose Foundation, I asked them just to have a table there, and I think they have some candy for the kids and all of that. But um, what a beautiful story. But with that, we, we can see the beautiful um, elements of how God comforts us and how we take that same comfort and we give it to others. But I want to be clear on something this morning because I think this could get misconstrued, is that suffering itself is not good. It's not, it's not what God intended for us. God never intended suffering. This is this suffering is a result of sin and living in a fallen world, but I will say that suffering is a vehicle for God's purposes. It's a vehicle for God's purposes. So we don't enjoy suffering. Right? We, whatever you're going through, we don't, I'm not, I'm, please don't n- misunderstand my heart. I'm not saying, hey, you got chronic pain, rejoice. No, 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 that is a result of sin and we grieve with you, but we are called to trust God in the midst of our suffering because it's through suffering, the Bible tells us that he matures our character. It's through suffering that he teaches us to depend on him. It's through suffering that he prunes away things in our lives that are unimportant. It's through suffering that he focuses uh, us on the eternal hope that we have. It's through suffering that he prepares us to comfort one another. And aren't you glad this morning for those of you who have suffered or are suffering that our suffering can be redeemed? Like our suffering, whatever it is that we're going through, isn't for naught. God is redeeming it. God is going to use it. There can be a purpose. James chapter 1 says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Paul would write in Romans 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that our tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance, proving character, and proving character, hope. And he says this, I love this, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we suffer for not for nothing. We suffer with hope. We suffer on for a reason. We suffer for a purpose, for a heavenly purpose. Pastor Doug once said that it seems that in God's economy and order of things, that it is through trials, tribulations, and afflictions that our roots are sunk deeper and deeper. Trials allowed by God are given to deepen us, Suffering is used to soften, harden soil, and break up fallow ground. Why? So the seed planted will not only grow, but it will bear much good fruit. I love that. So how does God comfort us? Number one, through the church. And secondly, through Christ. And we really got to speed up this morning. (laughs) Look at verse 5. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is in abundance through Christ. So Paul is saying we don't just suffer, but when we suffer, we share in Christ's sufferings. I mean, we have to wrap our heads around this. It's not just Christ is with us in our sufferings. It's not just that Christ understands our sufferings and those things are all true. But Paul is saying something deeper here than that. And he says that we share in Christ's sufferings. First Peter 4 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ... Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Jesus, you think of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 tells us that, that he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That was Jesus, that Jesus suffered much. Jesus understands affliction. And the cross is the worst affliction ever imaginable. Crucifixion was literally in, invented to slowly torture someone to the place, to the point of death. And when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about Jesus and affliction, it's not that he just experienced physical pain. Though he did, he went to the cross for us, but that he experienced emotional pain. He was abandoned by all of his friends. He was rejected by his brother. He was betrayed by one of his disciples. He was shamed by the crowd. We're going to be acknowledging that on Friday, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And when we suffer in this life, we share in his sufferings. But look at verse 5 again. Because it doesn't just stop there. He says, for, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. You're like, oh, that's not good. He says, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. And so we share in his sufferings, but we also share in his comfort. And the idea of that word abundance, okay, if you're taking notes, that word literally means overflowing. So it's as we share in the, the comfort of Christ, it's overflowing to us so that we can give to one another. But if we don't receive that overflowing, we'll have nothing to give. So it's first receiving and it's overflowing to one another. And listen, as we see how God comforts us in Christ, we learn that God is our comfort but he doesn't comfort us from afar. I think of Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Amen? So he's not repelled by your pain. He's actually drawn toward it. And the cross is the ultimate expression of God's nearness to us. The cross teaches us that God is always at work in our pain and our suffering. And that he wants to meet us in our, our deepest pain and our deepest suffering and as followers of a crucified Messiah, suffering is one of the ways that God makes us more like Jesus. 
And I, you're, like, you're like, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Because here, here's the reality. The Bible never promises us a carefree life. It doesn't. Some people have this false idea that if we come to Jesus, you give your life to Jesus, that you're never going to suffer, right? You're never going to go through hard, heartache or pain. But the Bible doesn't promise a trouble-free life, but it does promise help in the midst of trouble. And that's the beauty of the Psalms. Man, when I'm going through difficulty, when I'm going through pain, and I'm going through confusion and just, just not understanding God, man, I just read through the Psalms. And so often, you're like, well, David has it a lot worse than me. But David is there just remembering like his affliction, but remembering the power of God, the nearness of God. I think of Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Listen, suffering and cross-bearing is at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. Like we don't avoid it. We can't avoid it. But as we go through this, God is our comfort and we find this comfort in Jesus Christ. David Guzik said, God may allow situations in our life where our only consolation is found through Christ. Sometimes we think the only consolation is found in a change of circumstances. But God wants to console us right in the midst of our difficult circumstances and to do it through Christ. And the same idea Jesus expressed in John 16. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. Why? I, who? Jesus, has overcome the world. Amen? So God is our comfort, one, through the church. God is our comfort in Christ. And what this means very practically for you and I this morning is that we never suffer alone. We never suffer alone. You know, a few lies that the enemy would want you to believe this morning. Number one is that you're the only one going through what you're going through. That's, the, that's lie number one. Oh, all of these people right around me. Oh, they're raising their hands. And they're just, their lives are perfect. Everyone else is fine. No, no, no. Listen, I want you to, I want you, I want to dispel that lie. Everyone has afflictions and there's nothing wrong with you. This is life. We're all in this. We all live in a world under the brokenness that comes from sin. Secondly, the lie is that no one cares about my suffering. How many of you have, have ever believed that lie? Well, no one cares about me, right? That is a lie from the pit of hell because you have a church family that cares for you, that loves you, and, and, and we want to comfort you. Thirdly, we, the lie that we believe is I can't comfort someone else when I'm struggling. And let me just say this. If you have the Holy Spirit and you've been in affliction yourself, then God is going to use that. And maybe he's using that in your life to make you more empathetic towards others. To make you more empathetic. To be able to better understand what it's like for other people to suffer and to struggle. You know, for you guys, a lot of you know our, my, my wife and I's story. We've been married over 15 years, and, and for a lot of those years, we have gone through unexplained infertility. And I'll tell you what, that's, the, that's a journey that we, and that is a, a, an area of comfort or an area of pain that we would have never chosen for ourselves. 
Right? We would have never picked that, that journey. But I will tell you this, through 15 years of unexplained infertility, we have had numerous opportunity to come alongside other couples who have gone through this and are, are going through this. And again, I wouldn't have chosen this for myself, never, in a million years. But the same comfort that God has, has given to Mary and I over these years, we've been able to, to understand, we've been able to be empathetic towards, towards those who can't have biological children. And we've been able to come alongside them and cry with them in a way that others haven't been able to. And so we cling to this, church, that God is our comfort. But there's a danger, okay? There's a danger to all of this. And the danger is this is that we might think that God visits us when we struggle, God comforts us, God then helps us get us back on our feet, and now we're back on our own strength. So here's the second point. I know we're, we're over time. The second point that I want to make from this text is that the goal of God's comfort is not independence but reliance. The goal of God's comfort is not independence, but reliance. Look with me at verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves. Notice this. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Now, I know this is a powerful statement that Paul is making, and this is, it's going to might take us some time to kind of wrap our heads around this and to believe this. Why do I say that? It's because we're, and I'm going to say it again, we're Americans. <laughs> like, we love independence. Like, we're built on independence. Like, that is the greatest virtue. Like, if you can do things on your own, you are better, you are stronger, you are more to be applauded, and we think that somehow dependence equals weakness. And we think that relying on others is something to be ashamed of. And we think, you know, many of you have, have said that sometimes people think that Christianity and Jesus is like a crutch to you in your life, right? Oh, God is just like a crutch, like, like as if you don't need a crutch, right? Let me tell you this morning, you don't need a crutch, okay? You need a freaking stretcher. Like you are dead in your trespasses and sins, you need a stretcher, but we can have this mentality, and I can have this mentality that I'm going to do it on my own. That's the best way. That's the only way, and that, that's the way that everyone should aspire to be more like me in that. And here's the temptation, because I came back from Israel pretty sick, right? And so I went to the urgent care last week, and was it last Friday? And I went to the urgent care for one thing. I went in there, and I said, I'm sick, here's my symptoms, give me a quick fix, and, and I never want to see you again, kind of a thing. That was, that's what I said to the urgent care doctor. And she's like, nice to meet you, my name's Claire, or whatever her name was. And I wonder, church, how many of us approach God in that same way? How many of us approach God in that same way? Like, I'm going through affliction. I'm going through a pain. And I'm going through a difficulty, whatever it is. Maybe it's loss of a spouse. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's just your child has just abandoned the faith. All of those things, whatever it could be. And we think, okay, I'm struggling. I've got this going on. God, I need you. I need your comfort. You're the comforter of our soul. All of those things. You're the good shepherd. I need you to care for me. I need you to comfort me. I need you to bandage, bandage my wounds. And then I need you to let me go my way. Oh, and I'll keep your number in case I need it. Right? Like, I took the, the number of the urgent care doctor because she was really sympathetic towards me. Like, like, like we think, okay, God, if, we, if, I need, if I need power, I'll keep your number. And I'll, and I'll rely on it. Listen, that's not the call of Christ. 
The goal of the Christian life church is not independence, it's reliance. It is reliance, and that's what this is calling us to, to have a deeper reliance upon Jesus. And I, and I want you to know that our afflictions, your afflictions this morning, is a doorway inviting us into that. And that's what Paul's teaching here, that God comforts us, but teaching us in a way to rely upon him. And we keep reading this in verse 10, that, that, he, that this brings about hope. Paul said, has this confidence, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us. And he, or, or he on whom we have set our hope and he will yet deliver us. Listen, God is with us in our pain, but he can also, notice this, bring us out of it. Earlier I quoted from Psalm 34, 18, but the rest of the verse says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Listen, if you feel crushed in spirit today, God is your deliverer. God's your deliverer. God is all powerful. God can do anything in your life and just as he can comfort you in the midst of your pain, he can also get you through that pain. He can get you through it. He goes on in verse 11 to talk about the importance of prayer and all this. He says, you also joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on your behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. And as we talk about reliance, right, we're, we're not talking about independence anymore from God. We're talking about reliance upon him. Prayer is an indicator about, of, of how much we rely on God. You might, you might think and you might wonder, like, do I really, am I really relying on God? Let me ask you, how often are you praying about the situations going on in your life? Are you praying to God more than you're complaining to others? And why do you pray? Is it just to go through the motions? Maybe you're just driving, you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to say, dear God, help me, and then I'm going to go to, you know, everyone else with my problems? Or are you going constantly just aware on a daily basis of God's presence in your life to where you're just constantly crying out to him, God, I need you. God, I'm getting ready to go to this important meeting at work, my work. Would you strengthen me? God, as I prepare for this conversation with, with a friend, would you, would you strengthen me? God, as I, as I get ready to start the day, would you strengthen me? And as we recognize our dependence on God and reliance on God, then church, then and only then will we be a people of prayer. But not only us praying to God in our weakness, but also praying for one another in our affliction. I think it's beautiful that Paul says here in verse 11, you also joining in helping us. How? He says, through your prayers. Through your prayers. The ESV says, you must pray. Like you Use that word must. You must pray. And then think of this. This is the Apostle Paul. If anyone thinks like, okay, he doesn't need help, like he's good, right? Like we don't need to pray for one person, it's probably Paul. Like, no, here's Paul, he's saying, I'm struggling. I've been through affliction, he's, and he's strongly exhorting them, hey, would you come alongside us in prayer? And I love that. How can we be praying for one another? And as we close this morning, we're going to close with communion. As Josh and the worship team, Josh and Jessica come out, what we see through this passage is that God wants to comfort us. That's what we see. And for us, it doesn't just stop there, but he wants us to comfort one another so that we can rely more deeply on him. But all of that flows from what Christ has done for us. Jesus has ultimately dealt with our affliction 
by taking it on himself. Earlier, we looked at Isaiah, and I, and I read a couple passages, but I want to close by reading Isaiah 53, where we see what God does with our affliction. It talks about it, the suffering servant, Isaiah 53. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. We're healed because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's through Christ's church that we experience this comfort. And this passage makes clear that he bore our afflictions, not only to bring us comfort, but ultimately to bring us healing. And so we, as we have the bread and we have the cup here, we're reminded by, by looking at these elements, we're reminded that God was with us in our pain. God was with us in our desperate time of need that he didn't abandon us, that he has brought healing to our pain. And so the call this morning is to remember Jesus. Remember Jesus, to trust Jesus and that he loves you and that he showed us his great love for us by going to the cross. And that's what this rep represents. And so in just a second, we'll all eat and drink together. But let's just meditate. Let's just think upon the sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus meeting us in our desperation, Jesus meeting us when we needed him the most. Thanks for listening. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit us for one of our services. For service times, location, or even just to learn more about the ministry of Calvary Southeast, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Join us next week as we continue in our study together. 